are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles, we're in 2 Samuel. Why don't you begin in 1 Samuel 16, if you will. That's it, ushers. Bring folks in, if you will, please. We are looking at the, um, every week we take one book, working our way through uh, the Old Testament, and we give a synopsis of that book, just a snapshot. We cannot do justice to these books, but we've looked at, this is the 10th book, 2 Samuel. Everyone, I've given you a letter R to remember the book. I have different words that um, I've marked my Bible that helps me remember this book deals with this subject, one word. But I'm using letter R, and I'm trying to give you every chapter something that deals with the letter R so you can put it by Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers. Now, I'm doing okay, all right, now, I probably should have, this week it's rain, uh, last week it was rain, R-E-I-G-N, to rain, but I probably should have saved rain for kings, because they were raining the next two books, but uh, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to keep going with R's, and then I'm going to have guest speakers and ask them to keep going with R's when I can't find any more R's, it's going to be interesting, and so we'll find out how that goes. Well, last week we saw in 1 Samuel, there are three main people, main leaders in 1 Samuel. First one was, of course, very obvious by the name, who? Samuel, the remarkable man. And then there's Saul. Saul, what, what a sad man he was with his life, how he... He deliberately went against God, called him the rebellious man. And then there was a righteous man, David. We spent time not with Samuel and not with David. Today it will be David. Last week we spent time with Saul. You know this, two Sauls we saw last week in the Old and New Testament. One started off so right and it ended up so bad. One started off in the New Testament so wrong and ended up so right. The devil has a way of telling you and telling me how bad we are and we may have not been right here or maybe not have the right beginning or we fail along the journey. But really what it is, is the day you're home with the Lord, did you finish right? Did you finish right? Brother Dan was still trying, though he could not speak, to watch the service on Sunday from his hospital bed. He lived right to the end. I told somewhere this week, I was preaching somewhere, and I mentioned how Tony Hudson said to me, he called and said, Brother Treber, it looks like Brother Bobby, maybe I said that in chapel, I don't know where I said it. I said it somewhere, this looks like Brother Bobby is going to be passing away. And I said, I know, Tony. And then he said this. He said, it looks like he'll finish his journey 
clean and pure and no blemish. I, it, it dumbfounded me. Here's a guy who was 86, and he'd served the Lord, but he hadn't been finished to he drew his last breath. And I want to challenge you in my life, especially that we would end right. You know, when it said of Saul last week that, and it was early in his ministry because he, he chose rebellion right off the bat. He looked so good. Everything was great. Whereas you look at Paul, he looked so bad. His eyes ran. He was four foot. Historians tell us four foot ten. He's not a very large, tall man. Had eyes that, and they said his speech was contemptible. I don't know how he spoke, but it wasn't apparently very impressive. But he had the touch of God on his life. And he ended it right. And his head was severed from a body. And he said on that last days of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness can be won by anybody that finishes their race right before God. You pray that I'd finish right. You pray I'd finish right. You and I, all of us, may one day finish our race in a rest home. You and I might finish uh, in a rest home where our mind is gone. But it's an amazing thing as I visited people and I've had visited people, even my own father who began to drift so much with his mind. But when he would sing, and I have it on recording on my phone, my wife would sing with him. There's a land. That is her then day he started singing. He got the words. Brother Romero, glad your mom's here from Long Beach tonight. And I want to say that here we have David. And in, in 1 Samuel 16 is where we'll begin tonight. We'll get over to his reign in chapter number one. But you recall that David was caring for tending the sheep, and, and uh, the Bible said in chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send you the Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for me a king among the sons. So he knew that the king, the next king, that people chose the first king. We want, we want Saul, but God says, let me choose. I'm going to choose without the people. And God says it's going to come from Jesse. And the Bible speaks of this, uh, that they brought their sons. And you know, the Bible says, verse 5, peace, he said, peaceably I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself. Set your, when God's going to do something, we get set aside. We get set apart. I believe we ought to get set apart before the Lord's Day Sunday and come with me to sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse, the sons, and he called to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, they were come, that he looked on Eliab, and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, read it with me, ready, verse seven, look not on his countenance, height of his stature, because I have refused him. And so he called Abinadab. 
And the Bible says, neither hath the Lord chosen him in Shemna. And it said, neither hath the Lord chosen him. And Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all thy children here? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and he brought him in, and he was ruddy. He was reddish color. He was with the sheep. He'd been out in the sun. And with all of a beautiful countenance, goodly to look to. And the Lord said, watch this. Arise, anoint him, for this is he. This is the one, the shepherd boy. He's the next king. He's anointed here. Will you go with me to chapter number two of 2 Samuel now where we pick it up on the continuation on the reign. And we see in chapter number two something going on. David is going to wind up reigning 40 years and six months. He reigned seven years in Hebron over Judah, and he reigned 33 years over the entire Israel. 40 years and six months. I was talking to Brother Dr. Lee Robertson when he had finished his last Sunday at his church, and he had pastored there for so many years, and he said, you know, Brother Trevor, I pastored Great Highland Park Baptist Church, and from there on out, he preached in about three churches a week. He and his wife went somewhere Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and sometimes during the week and just kept preaching. He said, I've preached 40 years and six months. I said, isn't that amazing? Did you plan it that way? He goes, oh, no, it just went. I said, you know, that's exactly how long David was king. And it sounded to him like he'd forgotten about that. But 40 years and six months. David served, but he didn't serve like God had intended. God intended for him to serve over all of Israel. But look what happens in chapter 2. In chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 8, but Abner, now who was Abner? Abner was associated with Ishbosheth and the house of Saul. In fact, chapter 3, now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Abner was associated with Saul's house. And when Saul is off the scene, he was killed by, um, he was killed by, what type of person was he killed by? Chapter 1 tells us. An Amalekite. Remember when the Amalekite came to David and said, Saul and his sons are dead on Mount Gilboa. He said, who art thou? He says, I'm an Amalekite. Do you recall that Saul was supposed to utterly destroy all the Amalekites, but he did not. He disobeyed God. And then it came back and got him. And so Abner, he associates himself with Ishbosheth, verse 8, chapter 2. And Abner, the son of Nair, Nair uh, captain of Saul's host, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. And he made him king over Gilead. 
And Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign, and it reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David. And the time David was king of Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Isn't this interesting? It's so interesting to me. He's anointed as a boy in 1 Samuel 16. And when you add up those years and these seven years, he is waiting 15 or longer years to fulfill what God had wanted him to fulfill. Why did he do it right off the bat? The people didn't want him. The people rejected him. He was God's chosen. You know, tonight, I think of how it must have been frustrating. He knew what he's supposed to be doing. But he had to wait a year. And two, and five, and seven, and 10, and 12, and 15, and even longer. He had to wait. I, I wish Jack Trevor, I wish God's people can get on God's timetable. God did not make a mistake here. But the heart of the people were not yet ready to put their stamp of approval on David. There was, there was division in Israel. And so he claimed, because Judah said, we want you, and he just took a portion. You know, Psalm 27, 14 is still in the book. Wait on the Lord. And again, I say, wait. Some of us are like bull in a china, a china cabinet. We don't wait. We don't wait and walk with God and pray and seek his face. We've got to act right now because we've got to have it our way right now. We've got to do this. I'll make it happen. Don't force the hand of God. God always blesses waiting. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the, you just don't wait. You wait upon the Lord. God says, I'll renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle, high flying bird. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's so many fainting today. There's so many weary today. There's so many that are not soaring. Why? Because we've never waited on God. People may do this to you. People do it all the time, every, every, several times a week. Hey, what's your plans for the future, Brother Trevor? I'll tell you what my plans are. Are you making preparation? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? I'll tell you what my plan is right now. I'm gonna keep running my race till God says no. That's my plan. What's your plan B? It's to run my race as God told me to run my race. I'm gonna wait on God. I'm gonna wait to see what God has for my life. I'm not going to retire to Florida and push a, a, a shuffleboard in Florida. I'll tell you that right now. I still got too much up here. Very little, but I got enough to get by in life. I know to pay my taxes. I still got too much in here. And I want to tell you something. We're, we're making a lot of plans I don't see in the Bible. God says, occupy, do I come? So many people are getting out when we should be getting in. 
We finish our race with joy. We stay in the race. We do what God has. Why don't you wait? Say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm X amount of years old and I want to get married. I wanna, I'm going to jump. Don't jump. Wait. Adam never went looking for Eve. God brought Eve to Adam. God could bring a mate to your life. God could bring a ministry to your life. God could bring a child. Now, I can recall those days and we were young and waiting for children and, and then it got awkward because people would say, eh, no kids yet? Don't do that to people. I never got upset, I never got hurt, I never got, but, but, but don't do that to people. You know, really, you think how rude that is? That is none of your business. Why don't you have any kids yet? Because they might turn out to be an idiot like you. No, 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 no. Uh, why, why don't you have kids yet? That's not, it's like, hey, you're gonna have another one? That's not your business. And so, God never gave us a child. A year. And then two. And then three. And then four. And then five. And then six. And one month before our seventh anniversary, God gives a child. I promise you, you ask my wife who's in the children's ministry tonight. She was not wringing her hands and neither was I. I said, oh, what's wrong with us? Oh, we don't have a child. Life's not fair. All these other people holding babies, we don't have a baby. We felt like if God wanted us to have children, which we would like to have had, God would send them. Then he sent us three. I wish you'd have sent the grandkids first. I'm telling you something, friend. God knows what he's doing. He, he has a timetable. We don't get God on our timetable. We get on God's timetable. The children of Israel, God had already anointed them through Samuel, the man of God, but they didn't want him yet. I, I look how it could have been so disastrous in my life because I knew God. Finally, I've been an assistant pastor. I knew God was impressing upon my heart to be a pastor. And I, at first, didn't want to do, I wanted to just be an assistant. I wanted to help a pastor. I wanted to be like Aaron was to Moses and Joshua was to Moses and Elisha was to Elijah. I, I wanted to help a man. That's, I felt like it was a gift I had. I felt like I wanted to do that. And I couldn't get away from the call of God. I just couldn't get away from it. You know, the story won't go on. The first church called 13 people or so, you had no salary, you'd have to work a job, live in the church nursery, but we'll let you live there for free. And the next church called, about nine people, same thing, you'd have to live at the church building. There's a, at this end, there's a little place you can stay at the Sunday school room, and at this end, there's a kitchen, and, the, and, the, and at the other end, and you could work. And the next place, nearly every one of them lined me up to come candidate, but you know, just a few days before we were to go each time, they called back and said, we found out how old you are. You're too young. And you don't have the experience as a preacher. Not one of them promised me a paycheck. Not one of them were able to take care of us. Well, I was excited to go. 
Two were in California. One was in Colorado in particular. I was so excited about it. And I remember this church was about six months old, not quite. And Ed Brownlee called me, the chairman, and he said, I want you to consider coming to candidate here. And I said, I want to tell you how old I am, and I don't have preaching experience, and I've said it so many times, you've heard it. And he said, if you're God's man, we want you. And I'll tell you what, had I jumped the one city I wanted so badly, the one city they said has become because of sin and crime and drugs, it is one of the worst cesspools of iniquity in our country. In a rural setting, the streets flow with drugs and they've ruined the city. I'm so grateful, I can't imagine, I can't imagine being in another church, living in another area, pastoring another people. I've traveled all this country. I've preached to people. I love God's people. Many of them are watching where I've been to your church, and I love you all. I praise God for you. But I, I don't want to pastor a church that's not called North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You cut me, it bleeds North Valley. It bleeds North Valley Baptist School. It bleeds the bus ministry. It bleeds Golden State Baptist College. God put it in my heart on his timetable. You remember many of us prayed together? Almost day one when I came, and we had no money to do it, but we started praying for a radio 15-minute broadcast, and it took 30 years. And on the 30th year, almost all in one day, God gave us nearly 100 stations. God did it. But we prayed a long time. You recall praying for this property decades and decades and had 38 parking stalls over there. And year one, we grew by 100. Year two, by 100. Year five, 100, 100, 100, 100. So year five, we were running 500. And year 10, we were running 1,000 with 38 parking stalls. And year 15, we were running 1,500. And year 20, we were running 2,000. And year 25, we were running 2,500 people on 38 parking stalls. And church members were not allowed to park around the church or on the property. You had to take shuttles. For years and years and years, you know what? God knew that there'd be an SAE building at 3520 De Cruz Boulevard. He knew it even when they sold it the first time and when they sold it the second time. And God knew that. God always has a timetable. My, 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 thy time that is in, my, in thy hands. So when all what takes place here, we have this war going on with these families and and Abner was part of all this. And in chapter four, we have the murder of Ishbosheth. And he was killed. In chapter five, David now is going to become king over all Israel. In verse four, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. Hebron, he reigned over seven years and six months and Jerusalem reigned 33. All those years in waiting, but it kept his heart right. He did not get bitter, did not get mad at God or God's people or Israel. God was preparing his heart. 
and he's finally king. So we have seen his early years, a little bit last week, a little bit this week, he was anointed and he had to wait. These are the middle years right now in chapter five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. I call them the zenith years. I mean, great things were happening. He, he, he got the ark and said, let's bring the ark back. Let's get the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant, is that chapter six, I think, is that right? Uh, chapter, uh, let me just check, take a look here. Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, chapter six, where he brought, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. He said, if I'm gonna be your new king, I, I wanna know that we have the presence of God. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. In chapter number seven, he, he began to let people know that he had a desire to build the Lord's house. I want, you to, I want you folks to build God's house. And verse eight is so powerful. Now, therefore, I shall say to thy servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. He said, I, I've chosen you and, and I'm excited. I'm excited. You've got the Ark of the Covenant. You want to build a house for me. It's wonderful. And then we have chapter eight where he establishes David's kingdom and it becomes nationwide, worldwide. Chapter nine, David kept his heart right. He saw people with needs like Mephibosheth and that was Saul's son who was paralyzed and he brought him and he fetched him, verse five, out of the house of Makar, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. He brought him and he put him in his table and said, you're my son now. Then the great victory in chapter 10 over the war with the Ammonites and the Syrian army. Those are those middle years. We had the early years, the middle years. But in these middle years, after years of success, he made a mistake of his life. And you know what it was. He sinned. He was still a man after God's own heart, but he sinned. I was reading my Bible reading this past week and the Gospel of John about that woman that was taken in adultery in the very act. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? They were accusing her. And he went down to write in the sand. He looked up in the, in the ground and he looked up and goes, where are your accusers? They weren't there. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I want you to know that one of the hallmarks of this church is that we don't take other people's sins and broadcast them. I am not suggesting, I'm online right now, I know this. We're not suggesting we hide sin. We cover it. But you know, when Saul fell, they said, publish it not in the streets of Gath. You're not the voice box on face, whatever it is, said the wrong thing Sunday, book or FaceTime or whatever it is. You're not the voice box to clear up everybody's life. My job is to keep my own heart right. 
And I'm telling you what, I feel like what Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. I have such a battle every day of my life with Jack Treber. Once again, I faced Satan this morning, and I battled him all the day long. Stop becoming judge and jury of everybody. So many times through these years, things happen in churches, and the stories are never right. They never tell because they just know bits and pieces, and normally they don't know the right information. I want you to understand that David made a huge mistake. He sinned, and it came to pass in chapter 11 that when the year was expired, the time when kings went forth to battle, that David sent Joab in his service, but David tarried at Jerusalem. He did not go, and he could not sleep. And you know, he got up at even time. He began to walk, and he saw a woman bathing herself, and he took her, inquired of her, and he got this woman Bathsheba, who was from a good home and had a wonderful grandfather, Ahithophel, a great man of God. But he destroyed his life and he sinned and he had a baby with her and the baby died. And he gets right with God. And when, when people want to get right with God, let people get right with God. Let people turn to God and say, against thee, David writes, and thee only have I sinned and done this iniquity in the, this in thy sight. He said of his sin, and you know, I can have sin in my heart, mind through the years. I can, I can remember it because the Bible says, my sin is ever before me. A verse God gave me this morning, my time I was walking with the Lord, and I, I kept going back to Hebrews chapter 12 and Verse number two, let us lay aside every weight. Those things that are maybe not wrong, but they weight us down on our race in the, in before God. The weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Everyone in this room has sins that are easy to commit. Stop thinking it's just drugs and drink and adultery. What about anger and what about fear? And what about bitterness and what about envy? What about strife? What about sowing discord among the brethren? What about fear? What about gossip? What about hatred? What about ill will? What about jealousy? Are those sins that we can easily commit? What about unkind deeds to others and acts to others? What about lust? What about, what about money? I've got to have money. I've got to have money. A lot of folks are bit by money, which is sin. I've got to have that money. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll miss church on Sunday so I can get a good job to make money. What sin is so easily, it's, and it's not just adultery, and it's not just uh, drinking, it's not just uh, drugs. What sin does, everybody has a sin that easily, easily gets you. That's what God said. So why do you have to discover someone else's sin and tell everybody about it? I'll tell you why. Like David was doing when he took Bathsheba. He could find fault with that story that Nathan told him. And Nathan said, you're the man. You've taken, you've taken this man's little sheep. And you've taken this man's sheep and you, this little lamb, 
and you've defiled yourself with that man. You're the man, David. David said, I have sinned. You know, when people sin, let them work that out with God. And again, I'm not in any indication saying cover sin. There's a crime, the first thing I always do is call the police. I don't call a lawyer, I call the police. I'm not gonna cover a crime. I want you to know tonight that here is David and, and he committed sin and the unraveling of his house because in chapter 13, his stepkids get involved with one another and one commits incest with his sister Tamar and after he did, he hated her, hated her. And she felt so defiled. And then his brother Absalom saw it and he wanted him killed. And he waited two years and he sent one of his sheep here and said, kill him. And now one of his children die. And then Absalom dies as a young man, his long hair got caught in the oak tree and the mule went out from underneath him and there he died. And they thrust him through and he died. It was an awful thing. And David cried out, oh, my son Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. Oh, my son Absalom, would to God I died for thee. Would to God I died for thee. David had a lot of sorrow in his life. I close tonight because I want to get you to this text. 2 Samuel 23, the closing years now. the closing years. I want you to know as you turn to 23, I, one of the hardest things in the ministry for me is dealing with people that have made such foolish decisions and scarred their lives. One reason I know God called me to preach is because a pastor, a shepherd, is always caring for the sheep. I want to try to help people back. I want to restore unto them, Psalm 51, the joy of their salvation. I want them to realize that God's going to use them again. Sometimes some people commit such gross sins. And I tell you, many times those, I would have more confidence of placing my wife and family in their care than some that are just hypocrites. I'm not advocating wrong or sin. It hurts me when I see people broken over there, so just broken, feeling so worthless. Bear ye one another's burdens. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, Jeremiah, Galatians 6, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness and fear. Why, that, that you won't give yourself over that. I'm never, by the grace of God, going to look down on people. I've seen men that are far better men than me make a decision in a, in a rash moment that's a wrong decision. And it scares me because if a better man than me could make that wrong decision, who knows what I could do? 
The Bible says, take heed lest ye fall. Take heed about your own life. I'm so glad I talk about them too much. I try not to. I'm so glad I was raised by a godly mother and dad. My dad never allowed tattling in the home. He said, Jack, keep your own yard clean. I tattle on my sister. Jack, we're not going to allow that around here. You just keep your own life right, son. You got enough on your plate. Just keep in track of Jack. If my sisters are watching, they know that's true. He was teaching me something in the home. Mind your own business, son. Mind your own business. Don't air. I can hear him say, we're not going to air, uh, 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 air out everyone's dirty laundry, son. And when people have that mentality, they're always covering their own sin. Here's David now, these last days. He's going he's gonna to die in the next chapter. And so chapter 23, now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse. Oh, remember how that started as that little shepherd boy? David, the son of Jesse. The man who was raised up on high, anointed of God, of Jacob, the sweet psalmist, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I'm talking about this little shepherd who became a great psalmist, who became the ruler, and I anointed him, and I chose him. And the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. And God, the God of Israel, said, the rock of Israel spake to me. Here it is. David says, this is but a, a ruler. He that ruleth over men must be what? Must be just. If you're a manager and you're ruling over people, you must be just. You must be justice is fairness. I think the Sunnyvale Police Department has on the side of their police cars justice. It means that we're going to be fair. And God said, if you're going to be a leader, you have to be fair. You have to be fair with the people you work with, the people that answer to you. If you're a CEO, you have to be fair with people. One of our family members had some awful news this week about the health of their dear loved one. It's the same family that son just died Two years ago, just a young man just had a heart attack and died. Perhaps they're watching from the hospital tonight. And so many of the company where he works, unsafe people, they're, 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 they're choosing to each give him a day off of their vacation so he can be where he's supposed to be over the next couple of weeks. Very serious situation. Unsaved people say, I'll give a day of my vacation so he can take it. To me, it's so amazing. My mother said to me one time when she fell in the grocery store, she said, everybody came and, and were right there on us and helping. She goes, she said, you know, son, there's a lot of good people in this world. News, news may tell you they're all bad. I find a lot of good people in this world. You know, if there's a car accident, Cars, people stop. They run to help. 
Sometimes it may be a nurse or a doctor or whatever the case might be, male or female, but, but sometimes it might be an off-duty police officer or just a neighbor or a concerned person. There's a lot of good people in this world, kind people in this world. And, and, and here's David, he said, a, a leader must be just and, and a ruler a, a, a ruling in the fear of God. We are under the authority of God. Stay with me right here and I'll wrap it up. And he shall be, this leader, shall be like the light of the morning. I like sunrise. I, I'm sure, I don't know about you, I love sunrise. I love it. I just love sunrise. The sun's coming up. And you've got to be like the morning light when the sun riseth. Even a morning without cloud. You're going to have to be like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear and shining rain. What's the first word in verse 5? Verse 5, what's the first word, church? A, a leader must be just. He must be under the authority of God. He must be like the morning sun. He must be like the tender grass. Must have all this together. Although, my house be not so with God. Although my house be not so with God. You know what David's saying? My house is a mess. It started with me when I sinned with Bathsheba. And then, and then my son defiled his sister. and My other son killed his brother. And my home's a mess. My home's a mess. But though his home was a mess, you get to the last chapter, the next one, he still finished his race. Sometimes people, they have a messed up life and then they hide behind it and say, I can never serve God. And a lot of times it's because you don't want to serve God. And instead of going forward with God and realize that, you know, I, I was talking to a young preacher. God's just blessing his work and God's hands on him. And he called me. He said, please give me some direction. And, 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 and we were talking. And as I got done, I, I said, Lord, because I knew what the conversation, I wrote myself notes. I said, I wrote thoughts down. I want, you, you told me what you wanted to talk about. I said, I wish I would have done everything I'm telling you to do. One of the things I told him to do, he's got a pretty good-sized church, I said, I didn't do this. Now, every morning, my, every morning in my entire ministry, I can't think of a morning I've not gotten up and read my Bible and prayed. But I said, if I would redo it, and every day in my study, somewhere I get alone in my study, at this chair or this chair, or in this room, I get alone and I pray. And I kneel on my knees and I pray and I beg God. And I said, if I had it over, here's what I would do. When Mr. Trump took office, I prayed that every day he'd go into the Oval Office and kneel at his desk and ask for wisdom. And God convicted me because I didn't do that. I prayed every day. I would kneel every day. But I wish I would have been, and I'd already been with God in my house early in the morning. And I come and I, 
I'm, I'm first car here. I'm always seeking to work with God, walk with God. But I said, Lord, these people deserve more than that. I don't pass pastor just weak people. I pastor the best of the best. You know, it's easy to give advice, isn't it? Here's how you're a good, here, here's how you can be a good husband. Well, am I? Here's how you can be a good father. Well, am I? Here's how you can be a good in-law. Well, am I? Here's how you can be a good, a, a good pastor of the deacons. Well, am I? I was praying for our business people. All your businesses, I looked at those people that work hard jobs, and I thought about others in our church and your jobs. I pray for our widows, and, and I look at that list, and now it's grown another one this week. And I see their names. And I think of our, at our Bible college students, and I think of our students in school and our senior class and high school graduating. And I think of the sick in our church. I would go back and said, Lord, I, I know I've tried, but I feel like I failed so much. But by your grace, I'm going to just keep running my race. That's what David, he goes, although it's not with my home, everything I'm telling you you're supposed to do, it didn't work that way at my home. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.